0: This is your host, Brendan, and you're listening to the Ordinary to Ultra podcast. Each episode, I bring in an ultra runner and ask them about their journey to their first ultra marathon or their first time running a new ultra distance. We'll dive into why they started running in the first place, why they decided to run an ultra, the obstacles they encountered, and what it took to get to the finish line and beyond.
1: But yeah, I, it was not the wrong, uh, it was the wrong direction. And that led to, I think maybe a four mile, five mile Ooh. extra. And like, it, it took me nice. a little bit of time to realize that I was probably not going in the right direction. Yeah. Um, by which time, like when I was like, okay, I haven't seen anyone, which is weird. <laughs> okay. I'm probably oh, not on the right track. And like, oh, it's probably the guy probably pointed me in the wrong direction. Then I was so far that based on how the course is, I felt that the best thing to do was to go all the way to the aid, the next aid station anyway, which is what I did, but that meant I went like four miles extra, five mile extra. Then I told them, oh, and man. I was like, "Well, yeah, yeah, well, it sucks, dude. Um, and like we we kind of arranged it so that basically I ended up just going in the right direction from then on, um and, and instead of just redoing the whole thing.
0: Hey everyone, Brendan here. You have been listening to Simon Girard. Simon uh, was in his first fifty miler, his first ultra marathon, and someone told him where to go, and it was the wrong direction. So you were just hearing him uh, talk about how he was he was pointed the wrong way, and it added eight miles to his his ultra marathon. Terrible. Um but in today's episode we're going to talk about how he pushed through that and how he dealt with it and uh if he was able to get to the finish line. Um Simon is amazing. He has uh in his four year career that started in twenty twenty, he has run thirty three plus ultra one hundred mile ultra marathons he loves the 100 mile distance and he'll talk about uh, why a little bit in this episode but he's a super awesome dude and he's accomplished a lot simon is 37 years old he's from montreal quebec he lives today in carlsbad california with his wife he does business development for a pharmaceutical company for his job and I asked him what his hobbies were and he said running, <laughs> running is his main hobby. And he does run a YouTube and Instagram channel along, uh, with his, his running. So, um, you'll, you'll have to check out the description for his, um, links to his social media accounts. All right. No more from me. Let's get into Simon's story. Hey, Simon, welcome to the podcast and thanks for being here today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Awesome, awesome. I'm curious, have you gone on any uh, fun adventures lately, any fun runs or other types of adventures in the outdoors? Yeah,
1: Yeah, I mean, I had the unusual one. I had the business trip in Japan where I have been super jet lagged and tired, but I was able to squeeze in a little run in there. So I ran in Tokyo, which was quite exciting
0: big city is that uh, a weird experience a cool experience
1: (laughs) it's very similar to running elsewhere except that you run on the other side of the sidewalk oh
0: that's true and uh you live in california do you live in a a pretty busy part of town Where, where are you at right now
1: I live in Carlsbad, which is uh, and in a suburb of Carlsbad, which is north of San Diego. So it's a very quiet and peaceful place. Uh, suburb suburban life uh, very much, and maybe an hour away from some pretty cool mountain.
0: Okay, nice. All right. So Tokyo would be so different, though. Oh my goodness uh personally i haven't i've traveled to New York before, and that's the biggest city I've seen It's huge never ran there though and I imagine that would be a different experience. was it pretty yeah. easy to breathe in with like all the i don't know if there's lots of cars driving by is it like to- pretty, Tokyo is uh, very
1: polluted? very yeah Tokyo is very very clean, and drivers are it's very clean. very good. I think I would be scared to run in certain place in New York to be hit by a taxi or something but <laughs> Okay, it was fine. It was a it was a good experience. It was fun. Wow.
0: And you weren't able to run Mount Fuji while you were there, were you?
1: No, but I'm actually seriously considering doing uh, Mount Fuji 100 this April. Um we'll we'll oh see if goodness. I can get in. If not, I'm going to do it someday for sure. It would be fun.
0: That would be amazing. They do a lottery. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Well, I hope you get in. Uh I would want to watch a video on that for sure. sure. Um if I haven't mentioned already in the intro, um so yeah, Simon's got a, a YouTube video or sorry, a YouTube channel, and uh he does amazing videos on the different ultras he he is running. Um so we'll have to we'll mention his channel later on. Um so y'all can follow him and, and look at what he's doing. Awesome stuff. Um, okay, I want to head back in time to when you first got into running. Um, I'm curious around what time it was and why did you start running in the first place?
1: Yeah, that's... I think my journey into running has been a slow journey. I've always run a little bit at the gym, but just, you know, the 15 minute cardio that you do before actually working out, that was the extent of my running, I would say before, but I've always Mm -hmm. been a hiker. So I've always spent a lot of time in the mountains and on trails. So I think my trail and ultra running actually comes more from that. And Mm -hmm. I didn't even know that ultra running was a thing, but, uh, Back back when I did grad school, I was in Europe, and at some point I was uh, in the Alps. And we just so happened to be on the course of a race that is called Tour des Géants uh, in Italy, which is a 200-mile, or it's kind of the original 200-mile, or a crazy, crazy race. And I had no uh-huh. clue what they were doing. And when I heard about that, I felt, wow, this is really cool. They get to see so much in such a short amount of time. So that really kind of hooked me to the notion of ultra running and trail running. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then I just slowly incorporated running into my trail adventure in general. So instead of walking 20 miles and all of a sudden you, you do 30 miles and you include a little bit of running. So kind of gradually going into that before getting more serious into the sport. Mm
0: -hmm. And this was, was it 2017 that, Cool. this transition started happening or what, what
1: uh i mean the, yeah the story of tour des is probably more 2016 or 2015 okay. so it's pretty old okay. but i i didn't start right away it was just uh i was i was already hiking and then it's just there was more and more shuffling and jugging when i was hiking but i i didn't really get seriously into running until later at that time i hadn't run even in half marathon i think or maybe okay. i had actually hmm. that's that's a good question i, I yeah. actually i should know of my story better but uh around that time i ran a half marathon but i was not really that serious into running at the time but um what really switched it to being a main focus of sports and just a way to to rediscover myself was around the covid time i was working a uh-huh. pretty pretty gnarly job um crazy hours and at some point I just realized that my life right now is just waking up, working, 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 maybe eating at some point and using the restroom and then sleeping and that was it. And it felt that was not very fulfilling. So I was looking for kind of an escape to that. And trail and ultra running just sound like the perfect excuse to totally disconnect from work. You're in the mountain, you have no self-service. You're just by yourself and, and that, that was appealing to me very much. Um, so I, awesome. I signed up. For, yeah. So I signed up for my first ultra marathon. It was cold water, 52 mile in, uh, um, I want to say it was January 2020 or 2019, 2020. Okay. Uh-huh. Around, ar- around COVID. So it was right before kind of COVID hit. Yeah. And yeah, it was, yeah, we didn't know yeah. it back then, but it was already right. in the air yeah yeah.
0: because was it february march that it kind of hit and it went viral at, viral but like everyone kind of learned about it
1: yeah i mean it's kind of funny because i can track exactly like i remember exactly when these things happened because of which race was and was not canceled oh, so yeah. uh, already when i started working back in january I, i'm i'm in life science healthcare biotechnology we were already uh-huh. talking about it um, uh uh-huh never would have imagined that it would lead to kind of a global pandemic, but it was already in the air. We knew there was something going on in China. Um at the high level that there there was a new infection. We didn't think it was that big at the time. So I ran cold water, that was not an issue. I ran Black Canyon in February. That was not an issue. I ran I think it was Everglade fifty in Florida early March and we were or mid March. We were the last weekend before there was a travel ban and every plane were, were grounded. Uh So we just kind of got under the the bar at that point and the airport were absolutely nuts. Uh, That was, uh, that was quite traumatic. actually. (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. We were, we were pretty lucky.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I personally was signed up for, uh, I was in college at the time signed up for uh, a, what do you call it? travel abroad sort of thing um in Singapore we were supposed to leave in March I think and we were like talking about it planning had it all all planned out super excited for it and then yeah COVID hit and I was so bummed so bummed that I wasn't able to make that trip uh but glad you (laughs) that that didn't quite happen for you that you at least were able to make sounds like three events three whole events before COVID hit three ultras
1: Before everything else got cancelled, exactly.
0: Yeah, well, that is lucky. Um, so three ultras. All right, so uh, we we jumped right into that. Like, um, what uh, what were they again? You said the Blackwater Fifty, and what were they?
1: No, so the first one was Coldwater Fifty-two. Coldwater. Uh, it's 52. a race by Aravipa close to Phoenix. They have a hundred okay. mile also, which I've been doing pretty much every year now. Uh, then I did Black Canyon Hundred K. Uh, which okay. is also our Vipa, which is also close to Phoenix. And now that's part of the world trail major. I'm actually racing it this year. Well, whatever. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 20, 20, 24, depends, I guess, when this is public, but yeah, uh, I'm sure. racing it this year. <laughs> and then after that was Everglade 50k, which was, I uh, know 50 miles, sorry, which was, um, a race organized by Bob Baker, which is kind of a legend in ultra running. The race itself doesn't exist anymore though, but uh, he still has a lot of race in Florida. It's a very interesting guy.
0: Okay. So I'm curious, uh, when you did you sign up for all three of these at the same time? And uh, to me, as a new ultra runner, or someone who really has just signed up for their first and hasn't even run it yet, I'm thinking, how did you know you could run a 50 miler and also 100K with like the next month? Uh, Yeah,
1: I didn't know it at the time. I didn't sign, you're right. I didn't sign up for everything all at once. I signed up for the, I can't remember which one I, I think the first one was Everglade actually. So it was the 50 mile in Florida. That was the first one, but I could see that my training was, going very well and I knew I was ready before that. So I looked for race that would be easy to travel to. Um, and wh- one of the aspects of that is that for work, I was traveling back then and um that enabled us to basically tra- travel to places like Phoenix, uh, which is not necessarily the most exciting place to go to unless you're racing. Uh, so yeah. that felt like the perfect <laughs> I'll actually go do something fun in Phoenix. And I, I saw cold water the race and I felt, yeah, I mean I'm I'm gonna be ready by then. Signed up for it, went for it, and after the race I was feeling pretty good and I was curious if I could do the hundred K. Um mm-hmm. but I didn't know it at the time and I couldn't have imagined that I would have been able to do that at the time.
0: Okay. That makes more sense. <laughs> Like you are a very confident human, Simon. If you just signed up for all three of those uh, right in the way and that right away, that would be awesome. But yeah, that, that makes a little more sense maybe. I, I don't think I could have done that. Uh
1: yeah, I, there, I, I yeah. I think every or most ultra runner have self doubt, which I think is very reasonable and that definitely includes me. Uh it's just when I was closer to that then i knew i could do more um similarly mm-hmm. the i think the first first race I actually like the first hundred mile i signed up for was run rabbit run which is mm-hmm. in uh september um but then i was seeing that my progress was pretty fast and then i signed up for a race much before that actually i which turned out to be a great decision
0: a, a hundred miler an yeah. earlier hundred miler okay
1: well, it was Zion, but uh, Zion was cancelled also that year, so um, I actually ended yeah. up running running my own hundred mile but <laughs> it was it was uh, a good thing
0: dang that's a a local one for me um I'm from Utah and, I mean I haven't run that, but uh man, Zion is beautiful so i, I think you've run it since then, correct
1: yes, Zion is one of the good. best race out there uh they have different distance. Oh, nice. they have they have a from a half marathon to, all the way to 100 mile, and I think they have 100k and 50k at the same, like the same weekend in the same place. It's not oh, in nice. Zion itself, it's just outside of Zion. So it's more around the Mesa in that area, not like the you kind know, of the Zion Canyon. Canyon. Yeah, it's not in mm. there. Um, Interesting. I think, yeah, I think it's difficult to organize race in National Park. And difficult, I mean impossible uh, or <laughs> almost impossible.
0: Makes sense. So your first 50 miler, though, was, you're thinking the Everglades.
1: No, the first one was uh, Coldwater in January.
0: Coldwater. Okay. So I'm curious, uh, what was the longest distance you'd run before
1: Coldwater? It was a marathon. Uh, it I was a trail a marathon. marathon. So at least I had that okay. going for me. But uh, the okay. I had done the Mohab Marathon. I think it's in... Uh, october maybe just before that Mm -hmm. and then it was just (laughs) it was just a matter of doubling the distance which is pretty hard but um yeah it's a lot and there's definitely it's not just about running at some point especially at the 50 mile distance but yeah so i i remember crossing the 26.2 mile in my watch and thinking yes that's the furthest i've ever been and then i had the the lord of the rings some some saying like if i take one more step this is the furthest away from home i'll ever have been and then i was like yep i've just done it and then thinking about that every other step this is still the furthest i've ever been so that was pretty cool
0: that is cool what a reference yeah. <laughs> love lord of the rings mm. so how did you feel after this first uh trail marathon uh, did were you able to complete that pretty easily was it pretty easy for you was it pretty difficult like how were you
1: cold water um uh, yeah. well no
0: this uh this this trail Mohamed... marathon you did before yeah was it okay Moab? yeah
1: yeah mohab yeah. marathon um i felt pretty good i think back then i was still in the mindset of marathon running almost where pace matter and you're supposed to run most of it so I was putting more pressure on myself in terms of what was the time I would finish and not how I felt at the finish. Okay. Um Yeah, I completed it fairly easily. Obviously, there was some walking the hills, but everything uh-huh. else was pretty decent running pace. I must have done something like, it's a long time ago, I, I think five hours maybe, which is not yeah. a great time, but not a terrible time either, like an in-between. Um yeah. So For trail yeah.
0: marathon too.
1: Yeah. And I think there was at least like, I want to say 4,000 feet of gain, maybe four or 5,000. Oh yeah. So, That's like definitely a good amount. Yeah. Like definitely a, a, some climbs, some climbs, Um, which definitely slows you down, but that went pretty well. I think the the biggest adjustment from running a normal marathon to doing that is, is definitely just being used to trail. And because my background is much more hiking and then jogging yeah. on trails, then that, that kind of was a seamless transition. Yeah, the the effort is bigger than a normal marathon. Like physically harder, it takes longer. But I think I had the I already had the experience of running on trail, which which is the difficult adaptation normally, and that for me was not an issue. But I was lucky. Yeah, there.
0: yeah, that that makes sense. Um, I'm curious, what what did you do? Between that trail marathon, Moab, and Coldwater, that you think made the biggest difference for you to be able to complete your your fifty miler, like what what did it take to get from that marathon to the fifty miler?
1: Yeah, I definitely was very consistent in my training, uh, increasing mileage gradually. To and I don't remember. A sp- specifically what mileage I was doing back then, but my guess is probably towards the like the end of the preparation for the 50 mile. I think I was probably doing about 50 mile a week. And okay. just being consistent with that was pretty important. I think the other thing that was very important was... And I had learned that before, but I think it's a must, is to, to find that pace which is very, very comfortable. You're kind of forever pace. And that mm-hmm. means... In training, yeah, I had some long runs that were a marathon and not being too tired afterwards. Of course, you are somewhat tired, but you went at such a slow pace that you're not pooped out. You're feeling fairly fresh and you can still have a long run the next day. Uh, but that, that requires a little bit of experimentation, just knowing, knowing how much you can push and how much you should push and how yeah. much you should kind of not push. <laughs>
0: and did you find that just by feel like that that forever pace did you just go out tons of times and just test it out yourself to find what that pace was or did you use some tools you know like your garmin watch maybe or that was something? definitely by that
1: was definitely by feeling uh
0: feeling the okay.
1: the most i used my watch for these was to really force myself to to keep my pace down and I tried different pace and like a 10 minute mile was somewhat a comfortable pace that I I felt I could hold forever. So then I would just make sure that if I look at my watch, I'm not just going at nine minute miles because I'm feeling good. Uh, Cause mm-hmm. your legs kind of carry you. Like if, if you're going so slow, it, it feels almost like walking sometimes and it's easy to just push it a little bit more because you feel good. So I was really trying to know, like, don't, don't push to the level that you can just push to 10 minute mile nothing more and the goal was very very deliberate i remember my first marathon and training where i just did it like my as a training run and the number one goal was not even to do the marathon the number one goal was to not be tired afterwards even Mm -hmm. if that meant going pretty slow um and i think that was super helpful, uh, later on for any ultra marathon because that's the pace that you should go at. You should never, you should never go in the red or almost ever go in the red.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm new ish to running. I've been running for about a year and, and have this goal to run my first ultra in 2024. But, uh, up till just a few weeks ago, I, my training largely consisted of higher heart rate kind of push runs and I would just try to see how long I could go at at a push like zone 4 sort of pace and uh <laughs> learned that that is not the way for endurance training anyways if you're really training for ultras uh you want to be training in your zone 2s maybe your your lower heart rates the forever pace like you said uh yeah because it's just so long that you need to, to know that you can keep going.
1: Yeah. And I don't know if you know about the 80 20 rule. That's definitely something that I preach a lot on my channel. Uh, when I give advice on how to build up your training schedule, I, the, the slow mileage are definitely that for me felt like the, the biggest learning was that I was always running too fast in training mm-hmm. uh, and then reducing that pace to most of your run. But it's, I think there's a huge benefit to. Doing these, like for me, was like a 10-minute mile for most of my mileage in training. But there's still a 20% of my running that was dedicated to actually pushing the pace. And then I mm-hmm. was able, because I was better rested, I was able to push that pace much faster than if I'm always running around, whatever, like an 8-minute mile. Now I'm able to do these at a closer to six 7-minute mile. For a mm-hmm. shorter period, shorter the distance, but you're training something different than what you're training during your bulk of the mileage which is slow mileage to build a good base
0: exactly that's great advice um i want to talk about race day for your first race but before we get into that i'm, I'm curious uh just uh about uh, i want to talk about gear briefly and see if this is helpful for this audience but i'm curious if you were to say there's like one to three pieces of gear that really helped you run your first 50 miler, what would those pieces of gear be? And you can say the brand or not, maybe it's just having good running shoes, but anyway, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, that that's definitely the first one is you have to have the proper shoes. And the good running shoes, there's a lot of factor that goes behind that. You're often asked, like, when, when you have a channel like mine, like, what's the best shoe?
0: Yeah. The answer is like,
1: look, if there was really (laughs) a best shoe, they would only make that one. Uh, so first it needs to fit your shoe, your, your feet well, but also like, what's the trail you're going to run it for? Mine, it was a, it was a rocky race. A lot of mm-hmm. small rocks, so it, it's good to have more protection, like a stronger sole. You don't really need aggressive treads because it's not muddy, but if it was a muddy course, and I would go for something totally different. So, appropriate shoe mm-hmm. for whatever you're going to race and appropriate for your feet and something that you've worked with a lot so that you know you won't have bad surprise on race day. Um, I think uh, a running vest is pretty important. Aid station for longer distance race tend to be a little further apart and at some point also you're much slower. So doing these like six mile are taking closer to a one hour and a half, maybe two hours sometimes for some people towards the end of the race. So having the capacity to carry a lot of water, carry food for that amount of time is pretty clutch. Uh, that one, I think there are like brands that I prefer. I definitely like the Salomon Advanced Skin 12, especially for mm-hmm. mountain racing and. Yeah. I mean, I I think these are the, the, the really big ones and everything else is smaller Mm. things that if you get the wrong one, you'll, you'll regret. Like if you don't have the right underwear and you start chafing and you're bleeding out of your ass, (laughs) it's never fun. Um, it's Uh, not that they're special underwear, but you know, you have to have the right one. You have to have some lube. If it's a mountain race, you probably have to have poles. So yeah, it kind of depends on the situation.
0: Oh, that's great advice. Um, yeah, I personally got the I think it's the smaller version of your vest, the Solomon Avskin Six or Eight maybe. Um, and I love the vest. Uh and I think what's what's nice about it is on race day the uh it's got little what do they call them, hydropack flasks in the front. Um, so you can unscrew the lids there and then the uh, aid stations can like fill up your 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 water's really quick instead of having like a, uh, what do you call it? A bladder. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The
1: danger with the big bladder is that you only have one bag to contain, to carry liquids and it's, it's going to fail someday. And if you're unlucky, that's going to fail at the very wrong time. Mm-hmm. It's happened to me a couple of times. And then you just, you, know, you think you were sweating a lot and your back was a little bit wet, but eventually you realize that you don't have any more water and that's not great, especially in the middle of the race where you don't have any other container to carry any liquids. Uh The 2 soft flask is also very practical. It's easy to fill, like you say, but it's also nice sometimes to have carry both pure water and then maybe tailwind or something with electrolyte and mm-hmm. favor the electrolyte drinks or something with calories. But once you start yes. having, you know, GI issue, then you can switch mm-hmm. to water, which is at least, you know, at least you're drinking not ideal but it's better than nothing so having both of them for me is is always kind of important
0: yeah um that's a good point with the gi problems uh i'm curious if if you have i think you you mentioned to me offline that you have a pretty strong stomach but uh what happens if you start feeling the runs or you you know you feel like you puke you need to puke and maybe you you do puke or you have to take a diarrhea like uh and yeah, your I stomach mean, is it's... just really unsettled um do you just drink and you and you drink electrolyte
1: s- Yeah I mean it's so what's or... going to happen with GI issues that, yeah it's it's one direction or the other things are coming out so Yeah I have a pretty strong stomach but it's, at some point it's you have issues so if, if it comes down <laughs> then uh the best thing to do is just taking Imodium and then that's gonna uh, basically stop it um okay so I I don't take it as a prevention I think that's gonna impair a little bit digestion but I know some people that just do it as a prevention um but mm. what you eat also matters so if you experience that a lot you could look into eating things that are a little bit less salty slash sugary and Drink mm. a little bit more water. Uh, you can kind of basically adapt. Like if I've heard the notion of a sugar bomb, I don't know if that's necessarily true, but bacterias will love all the sugar in your gut. And there's only so much sugar you can absorb per hour. So if you eat too much, much sugar, mm. it's just sitting in your gut. And then the bacteria are having a big party. And that's when you basically need to evacuate everything. So the, there, mm. there's things you can try to do to not have the issue in the future, but when it's happening, then you can just take Imodium. Um, if it's coming up, uh, I think that's much harder because then you're not even absorbing much. Um, I'm lucky that it's pretty True. rare for me. Um, I think what you need to do with that is you you have to, well, you probably have to puke anyway, but you have to, be vigilant of not feeling too good after puking and just going and not eating. I think that's the reaction is you feel good and you kind of forget about it, but you forget that you just lost quite a lot of water and quite a lot of nutrients. And Mm -hmm. that if you just keep going because you're feeling better in 10 miles, you're, you're, you're going to be in big trouble. So you need to slow down and try to keep drinking or eating and then trying different stuff that would sit better with your stomach. And, at least at the very minimum, it will be water. If you're dehydrated, you're not going to last very long. But without food, also it's going to be an issue eventually that you need to resolve.
0: Yeah. Especially with these long distances, just got to keep the energy up. Well, that's yeah. great advice. So Simon, I want to hear about specifically this first 50 miler now that, that you ran cold water i'm so bad with names right it's cold water in arizona
1: Mm -hmm. yep that's right
0: so i'd love to hear and i think everyone would like to hear just from waking up till the end of the day how did this race go for you how did the day go for you i'd love to hear about it
1: sure um so it was, it was in Arizona. I was there just for the weekend, right? Because I was flying, uh, from work. So I didn't bother booking a hotel or anything like that. I just, uh, rented a car at the airport. So I was, I was, <laughs> I was sleeping, uh, camping over there, uh, at the trailhead. Well, not a trailhead, but the park where they started the race. So first thing is that I got woken pretty early. As kind of activities around the start line were happening. Uh, I wish yeah. I had slept a little bit more, but as soon as I was uh, awake, you know, I was, I was full, full on awake, kind of nervous about what was coming. Can I do that? I've never ran that far. I, in fact, just ran half of that distance before. So I was, I was right. pretty nervous about it. But I think with things like that, same thing when I was uh, biking, uh, race biking, mountain biking, or, or things like that, you you kind of, get in the zone and kind of over focus on little details about okay like am i forgetting anything in my pack okay how does it feel right now you tighten like your 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 um, vest oh it's a little too tight and just adjusting everything to kind of keep your mind busy yeah and next thing you know you know i'm at the starting area it's pretty darn cold but you don't want to dress up because you're going to run very soon and you start talking with people and already i i could I could feel how nice the people were around the start line. I met a bunch of people, which uh, unfortunately, I already forgot who they were. But <laughs> I met I met yeah. a lot of people just chatting, some some new runner, some experienced runner, and just talking about what's coming up ahead. And like, you can feel the excitement in the air. So that was pretty cool. Um, the race started, I think, something like six in the morning or like it was just before sunrise. So you needed a oh, lamp, man. but you knew it was... Uh, most of these races are around five or earlier, but yeah,
0: that makes sense. When you say you got up early or got woken up early, was that like four in the morning or? It must have
1: been. Yeah. It must have been something like four, like when people start arriving with their car and they're super loud, of course they don't know you're sleeping there. (laughs) So it's not, you know, it's not their fault, but yeah, there's always someone who comes very early and then the volunteers and race organizer, of course you have to be there before everyone. So It got, it got loud, not blaming them, but I was, I was wide awake by the time the the race was starting. I had, you know, i had done everything like eating a little bit. They had some food, I used Uh the restrooms. I was, I was good to go, excited and ready to really warm up. Like there were, I remember also it was kind of pretty cold morning, you know, it's January in the desert. So the night can get decently Mm -hmm. cold. So we were all kind of Mm -hmm. bunched up around some fireplace.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, Did then, you did you do an actual warm up before the, the race started?
1: No. Okay. Uh I th- I think running slow for a little bit is all the warm up you need for yeah. something like that. Um Okay. I maybe if you know a professional runner maybe they would do it differently, but yeah, just start at a reasonable pace. Yeah. Uh, and then then it started... I think there was Different start for different distance, but I'm not sure anymore. I, I think the 100 miles start like 15 minutes or 30 minutes before us. So I watched that. Then it was our turn. Then we just, you know, we, we just went, which was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really excited. I barely remember the, like the first eight station, like the first four miles. I know the course now. So I know that there was some decent technical trail and some up and downhill, but. I, next thing I knew, I was kind of already there. The sun was like had risen, all risen already, and it was it was pretty cool. Um, then I managed in the next section. It's not a super technical course, but I managed to fall hard. Oh shoot! Uh, yeah, around I think mile six or something like that. I still have a mark on my knee from that. And Whoa! One, yeah, and I I think it's psychological, but one of my finger feels crooked ever since. So Whoa. it was, yeah, it was, it was Shoot. a stupid fall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it on but, a
0: hill? Like, what was the situation?
1: No, it was just, it was just a very non-technical segment, but uh. on a, on a little rug that was sticking out, but like kind of uh-huh. stuck in the trail. So it, it, yep. it was just me not lifting my feet enough. Um, yep. yeah. It's, it's pretty easy to eat dust when you're trail running. And especially when you're not, paying enough attention. I think when it's, the trail is super technical, it's, you, you won't fall because you're a hundred percent focused on that. But at that time I was not focusing enough on the trail yeah. and I was just kind of running. I don't remember even talking, but I was just kind of in in my head and not noticing yeah. like little details. So lack of vigilance, I felt pretty stupid, yeah. but <laughs> I bounced back immediately. You know, it's, Yeah. You it's probably painful.
0: feel yeah, you feel a little dumb, so you like scramble, get up real quick and get going.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I, I was I was wondering, I was like, hey, am I injured? And like, we'll see in a mile or two, like, you know that the adrenaline will keep you safe from severe yeah. pain for a little bit. Um, yeah. But then it, it kind of got better and better. In fact, I think the, oh, the finger was like really what hurt the most for the longest time. So I really think that there was a minor injury there. But the good thing is that you're huh. not really using your finger so much when you're running. So yes. <laughs> I was good with that. To...
0: Yeah, that's a good thing it wasn't a toe.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And the, and the knee, you know, the knee was bad but it it, was, yeah. it didn't feel so painful. I think it was a good fall all things yeah. considered.
0: Were you were you bleeding at all? Did it break yeah. skin? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, oh. I was
1: bleeding but uh, mm. nothing. Nothing too too bad like just enough <laughs> that I should have washed it like at the end of the day like my leg was was a little bit gross and then <laughs> the coagulated blood and the dust and the dirt like after i think it took me 11 hours that race like it was it was really hard to clean it appropriately afterwards yeah yeah anyway uh so that was kind of a rough kind of wake-up call but i guess that kind of set me straight afterwards Uh, i was running pretty well feeling pretty good it got pretty warm very quickly after that um And then the way this course is, is two loops of 20 miles, which you did, Mm -hmm. it's the same loop that you do in both directions. So you kind of turn around and do in the opposite direction. And then the third loop, which is a little smaller, but use part of the trail that you've already done. And they, you know, they, they tell us at the start, like, just really be careful where you turn, like. First, first loop, you do that. And then second loop, you do that. Third loop, you do that. So it can be a little confusing. So yeah after, after the 20 mile, get back to headquarters, you do your little things. Things were going pretty well. You know, like the, the fall was far behind me and I was feeling in the zone, like kind of racing, racing well. Um, and then at one eight station, and I'll never forget that. I usually don't say that it's this race, but. Uh, I asked a volunteer at the aid station, all right, like I've done one lap, like this is my second lap. Like where where am I supposed to go? Am I turning left or right? (laughs) And then he said like, oh, you go left. I was like, are you sure? Because this is my second lap. You know, this is not my first lap. And he was like, yes, I'm sure you turn left. So then I did that, but he was absolutely incorrect. Um, Seriously? Yeah, he he was incorrect. So what happened with that, just because of the way it is, um, yeah. normally you notice when you're on the trail because there's marker all the time, like a little orange flag, say every yeah. 200 yards. So you, you know, you're on trail. And if you don't see anything, you know that you probably took a wrong turn and you're just off course. But uh-huh. the issue with that one was that I was still on the course. There were still yeah. markers everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah. you don't see so many people in a small race like that. So I kept going, I kept going and it was just weird um and back then i didn't know how to use my watch like to, to look where i was like on on the yeah. gpx uh-huh. um i don't think that would have necessarily helped because what i would have seen is that i was still on course regardless right right Um because i had been there and like you were supposed to go back but yeah I, it was not the wrong uh, it was the wrong direction and that led to i think maybe a four mile five mile extra and like it it took me a little bit of time to realize that i was probably not going in the right direction um by which time like when i was like okay i haven't seen anyone which is weird (laughs) okay i'm probably not on the right track and like oh it's probably the guy probably pointed me in the wrong direction then I was so far that based on how the course is, I felt that the best thing to do was to go all the way to the, aid, the next aid station anyway, which is what I did. But that meant I went like four miles extra, five mile extra. Then I told them oh, and man. I was like, well, yeah, yeah, well, it sucks, dude. Um, and like we, we kind of arranged it so that basically I ended up just going in the right direction from then on. Um, and, and instead of just redoing the whole thing, but I send them my GPX later, and I, basically I did a sixty-mile race instead of fifty-two, which is oh. not great. Yeah. So you knew
0: was, you could do a hundred k. You knew.
1: Yeah, that's part. That's part of why I signed up for my hundred k afterwards. That yeah. I knew I could do it because I had basically done it. Um, that's so by funny. mistake, but yeah, I mean,
0: Not funny in the moment. That's yeah, no, it me. was
1: not. It's 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 yes. I think there's. Uh, depending how well-versed people are and like the ultra running lore, but uh Jim Walsley, which is probably one of the best ultra runner and like the current era, the first mm-hmm. time he did Western States. So the most one of the most competitive race, he was he was scheduled to win, basically, and he was on track to beat the course record, which is kind of a lifetime achievement for sure. Uh, but mm. he did do a wrong turn and then uh. he ended up like on the road and the, he's captured doing that when he realized he's not on course and you can see like immediately he went from like running at probably like a six, seven minute mile to I'm not able to walk anymore. It, your Jeez. energy just like vanished. It feels like you're you're a balloon that gets deflated immediately. You were just pushing so hard and now you know that the faster you were going just now, the further you'll have to trace back your steps. And it's just really painful. And you're really feeling like, fuck this. I'm not, I'm not doing this. Today is not my day. So I very much felt like right. that. Um, and definitely there was a moment where I was just walking and feeling like this is bullshit and being really frustrated that the person that told me the wrong direction because I took time to check. But ultimately, you know, it's, it's trail running. It's my fault for not confirming it. You know, you're the runner is responsible for going the right direction. Yeah. The volunteer shouldn't say the wrong direction, but it's still my responsibility. You have to take accountability. And most importantly, yeah. it's, like I'm here right now. I can't change taking the wrong turn, but what I can change is how am I going to react to that? So after a little bit of like bitching, then I was back on track <laughs> and I was like, all right, like this sucks, but I'm going to run. Um, mm-hmm. and the, the kind of the energy that carried me for at least 10 miles was like a borderline life is not fair. I'm pissed off. I'm angry. And like, I'm angry at myself, but angry at the situation, which is not energy I usually tap into, but that worked pretty well Uh for like the next two, three hours. I was just passing people nonstop, uh, which was interesting <laughs> nice. Be- because Take these people, yeah, exactly. But these people, you know, once I was back in the right direction, I mean, they were, they were physically ahead of me on the course. But in terms of distance, they were easily five miles, mm. four miles behind me. So I was True. definitely already going much faster than they were. And every time, like, I was like, oh, like, I got to pass this person. Like, it's not fair that we're at the r- same place right now, but I'm, like, I'm a faster runner. <laughs> I would pass them. <laughs> um Not that I care so much about finishing before them. Just, I don't know, the the that energy kind of carried me. Yeah. That I kind of... I was like, yeah, exactly. I was like, fine, like I'll just do it. Um, The rest (laughs) of the race was pretty uneventful. When I started the race, I was wondering if I could finish before sunset. Mm. But as soon as I took the wrong turn, I knew that this was not a thing. So when I was at headquarters, I grabbed a headlamp knowing that the night would eventually come. And it was also going to be my first racing experience at night. So I was a little bit worried about that especially that you know I was still feeling the pain from falling down early in the race and wondering if I was going to hurt myself again and not really wanting that but that Mm -hmm. turned out to not be an issue when the sun came down it's the desert so the temperature just fell down immediately Uh, but Mm -hmm. that felt good like we're done with the heat that's great sure it's dark but I have my headlamp and I was pretty comfortable jogging like I was not running anymore I was jogging at best but I I felt pretty comfortable about it so the the rest of the race was actually uneventful um and yeah I was I was pretty happy with the outcome but mostly in retrospect I was happy that I was able to adapt to bad things happening nothing serious but hey I I did heat, heat dust pretty early on I did take a wrong turn that added significant mileage but somehow I just Turned things around and just finished anyway, and I was pretty happy about that.
0: Yeah, you kept going. Uh, yeah, great example. Like that would have been a great excuse to be just pissed and turning the towel.
1: I was so... definitely pissed, which is not my vibe normally. <laughs> if anyone watched my channel ever, I'm not someone who's yeah. either pissed or competitive <laughs> ever. That was like such an exception, but yes. it, it yes. is a thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, if you if you got a negative vibe. Uh, yeah, I I can second that. Simon's channel is is very positive. <laughs> that that was quite just uh, that was a hard experience, especially on your first one. You know, you're like, of course, like the first one I run, I gotta take a wrong turn. Like, it's yeah, I but...
1: I felt really stupid because there's a lot of work that goes behind getting ready for these races, and then you make such yeah. a stupid decision. Even the the oh. fall itself, I was pissed at myself. Like, come on, Simon, like you you've run on trail before, like, why, why is this trail any different? That was not a technical segment. You, you should know better than that. You should be more careful. Like, why were you so careless in that moment? And yeah, I felt stupid and guilty about it, but then that helped mm-hmm. me refocus afterwards and I think in the end, that's what matters is how you adapt to the situation.
0: Yeah. Tell me about it. Um, now, after this 50 miler, uh, I know you've done, You've done many a more races since then. Do you have a count? Do you have a count of how many 50 milers, 100 Ks and 100 milers you've done in total?
1: Uh, I've done 3,300 mile or more. And then distance it's below amazing. that, I would need to take the time to think about it, but about yeah. like three or four 50 miler, or three or 400 K. Okay. One or 250 K
0: yeah these hundred milers uh obviously seems like you like those a lot uh tell me why why you've uh stuck with the 100 mile distance more than these these shorter distances what's what's the difference for you
1: yeah i think there's a lot of difference i think there's a lot of different vibes. more recently a lot of people are into 200 miler i think the 100 mile is a good distance for a weekend adventure, basically. Like that's what you're doing over the weekend. So that's perfect for me, given my work schedule. Um, Mm. but there's also a different pace to it. If I would, when I do a 50 K, I am going to run that. And same thing with the 50 mile. I'm, I'm running this. And whereas the, the 100 mile is much more focused on getting there. And you just have to make the, at least for me, I just think about, I need to do the cutoff and there's really nothing else that matters. So that's a vibe that I prefer. It's, it's less stressful. It's much more about keep going and that enables a lot of positive things. I think one is that it's more focused on resilience than actual physical prowess. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely more social. If you go through the night and a hundred mile, you're going to go through the night or at least a yeah. significant portion of it. Um, you you'll run with people at night. And I think that's a great moment to kind of bound with people, to meet people and really live something significant together. Whereas when you do shorter distance, like a 50 K you'll probably meet people too, but mm-hmm. it's not quite the same. You might, you know, spend like 10 minutes with them and that's about it. Whereas there are some people we spend the whole night racing together. Um, and helping each other out. And I think that's a vibe that I appreciate with trail and ultra running, this kind of camaraderie, which I feel happens a lot more at longer distances. Now, I've never done a 200 miler, so maybe that's even more so at these distances. But at some point, it's a 200 mile. I need to convince my boss that
0: um he doesn't yeah. need me for the <laughs> week.
1: And that's uh, that's yeah. harder to do than just saying I'm going to be away for the weekend. <laughs> it's like, are you still sure. going to? Are you still going to look at your email sign? I was like, yeah, maybe not during the race, but (laughs) the rest Uh, of the weekend. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Jeepers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, how long does a 200 miler take? These, those take like three days.
1: If you're really fast, three days. Yeah. um, Okay. Yeah. I mean, if you're extremely fast, it's going to be like 50 hours, but yeah, someone like me would probably do it in 85 hours. I would say 85, 90 hours
0: that yeah so yeah for me as someone new uh haven't run my first 50k yet it's it's like wow how do people do it it's 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 incredible and your story just just with your first 50 miler but then also all these hundreds you've run it's it's amazing just what the body can do and I appreciate you talking about the adventure. Um, I I am definitely getting into it for the adventure myself. It's just mm-hmm. fun to get outside. And it's cool with the 100 miler that, that you get to meet people um, and maybe talk more. That That's really intriguing to me. Maybe I'll just skip the 50 miler and do 100. <laughs>
1: yeah. Start directly yeah. from there. Some You'd people do not. that. Some people yeah. do that. And some people regret that, but uh, I certainly don't advise it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that was a joke. I would, I will not. I know, I
1: know. But... <laughs> some people listening will. Oh, uh, we know. we warned you. We warned you. We That's warned a bad you. idea. It's possible <laughs> though. It's possible, but it's, uh, yeah, I don't recommend it.
0: Yeah. I've, uh, my opinion is you've only got one first, so I'm taking it slow. Like I could. I could jump right to a 50 miler, but I said, well, I'll just do a 50 K first. Like it'll be just more than a marathon, which is something I'll be, i have been familiar with and, and we'll just take it slow because I have the rest of my life to still do these. So what's the rush?
1: Yeah, I guess it depends how old you are, huh?
0: It's true. I am for the record 27. So I have time. I, yeah, I so guess. I mean,
1: <laughs> you could still be a pro.
0: Like I guess <laughs> if I could uh quit my job, you know someday, maybe, yeah, um, I'm curious, Simon, what advice, what final words of advice would you give the the newbies on this podcast and the folks that are listening thinking, man, these races are insane, why would I I mean, I'd like to do that, but how what would you tell these people?
1: Yeah, I think ultra running is a sport where what you put in is what you'll get. Uh, so through consistent work, you can achieve basically anything.
0: Words of wisdom. And at the beginning of this podcast, you told us why you started running. Do you run for the same reason, the same why today? I'm curious.
1: Uh Probably not the same kind of that pushed me into running, which was to disconnect from work. I've changed work. It's much more reasonable now in comparison. If yeah. mm-hmm. um, I, I think it's more the, the community and the sense of adventure that keeps me going.
0: I love it. Simon, thanks for coming on today. Thanks for your, your time uh, and wisdoms and story that you've you've shared today really inspirational and i'd love for you to to tell everyone where they can follow you to really dive into your story uh you have lots of youtube videos and maybe you have other other content out there on other platforms where where can these folks follow you
1: yeah the best way to follow me is to to go on my youtube channel um it's a running with Simon. So that's easy enough where I post about my 100 miler that I race every month. And also, I post a pretty regularly uh, tip video for new runner, new trail runner, how to get into the sport and very specific advice, for example, how to prevent blisters or make a training plan.
0: Perfect. Well, we'll have to check you out. I already have, and I hope you all do too. Uh, great advice. I watched Simon's video on the the differences between the different distances which we sort of covered today but uh, that video was particularly interesting as someone who's new to ultra running so anyhow go check them out thanks again simon appreciate your time have a good night and, and thanks everyone for joining us today yeah thanks hey brendan here i just wanted to thank you for listening to today's episode. As someone new to ultra running myself, I found these conversations to be super valuable and I hope they are for you as well. And if you want to know when the next podcast episode comes out, make sure you subscribe to the show. Also some exciting news. The ordinary to ultra Facebook group is live. This is a great place to meet other aspiring new and experienced ultra runners and have any questions you have answered, get some advice, maybe find a running buddy that's local or maybe virtual. And it's just a great place to make connections with other psychos that like to run way too much. (laughs) The link is in the description of this episode. If you want to go join that Facebook group and make some awesome connections. And that is all. Thanks again for joining me today and we'll catch you in the next episode.